morning, everyone, and welcome to the 32nd episode of Disability Discrimination to Ban Starting Now. I am your host, Lindsay, and whenever we go somewhere, like uh, go to the store or something, we see a lot of people, and at times we see people who have a service dog with them. Service dogs help people with a wide range of disabilities and help them gain the person's independence. Yet, without knowing the person's story, people call the dog a fake service dog. They go up to pet them and talk to the dog directly, etc. And I'm very happy to have one of my college friends, Kagi, who has a service dog herself, and talk to her about what service dogs do, how we should act around them, and everything service dogs. Welcome to the show, Kagi. Hi, thank you for having me. So I gave a brief introduction to you, but can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, certainly. So I, um, my name is Kagi. Um, it's like Maggie with a K. I am currently a graduate student um, here at Lynn University, which is in Boca Raton, Florida for clinical mental health and counseling. I um, also have a bachelor's degree in um, human services psychology with a, um, a minor in criminal justice. And for many years, I also worked um, within the Walt Disney World parks as a costuming cast member and character performance review. And for eight years I had my first service dog Denver he was an absolute powerhouse when it came to helping me and now that Denver has retired this year I have Jojo how long have you had service dogs of course you just answered the, the question um well for how long I've had Denver um I had Denver for eight and a half years, or sorry, seven and a half years. So I'll know I didn't answer the question, seven and a half years. Um, and he was absolutely amazing. Um, helped me to grow in my independence in ways that I never thought was possible. And for Mr. Jojo, I've had him for two months now. I remember meeting you at school. I think we were eating dinner together. And I had just, uh, I had noticed Denver and I just kept asking you questions and you were kind enough to, to answer it. But that's when I really got interested in what service dogs are, is when I saw Denver and a lot of other service dogs at Beacon. Can you tell us a little bit about what service dogs are? Most certainly. So service dogs are task trained, um, either service dog, either dogs or miniature po miniature ponies um, that are trained for a specific trained task 
for that individual's disability. Now, I know some people may confuse that with emotional support, but emotional support is not a trained trait and or a task that the dog would utilize for that individual's disability. Does Jojo provide me emotional support? Yes, but that is not his main task that he is trained to perform for me and for my disability. So you got, there are many service dogs organizations around the U.S., but you got Denver and Jojo from an organization in Pennsylvania called Canine Partners for Life. Can you tell us a little bit more about the organization? Yes. Um, Canine Partners for Life is a non-for-profit organization. They are accredited under ADI, which is Assistance Dogs International. And um, they train a variety of of service dogs. They also train home companion dogs, port companion, and facility dogs as well. Um, And they go through a really big co-op and provide different dogs to different organizations along with getting dogs from other organizations as well training them for individuals like myself with a variety and a large range of disabilities Um, they've been around for many many years and are definitely in like the forefront of the service dog organization uh, just leading the way when it comes to alert dogs not many adi accredited organizations do alert dogs. There are many organizations that aren't accredited under the ADI that do, but when it comes to wanting a dog that is accredited and comes from a very well-known organization, there's no, you can't be canine partners for life. So uh, I'm adding a question real quick. When you, your, when you and your family were researching organizations to get a service dog for you, what drew you guys into Canine Partners for Life? The main That's a good question. The main thing that drew me into Canine Partners for Life was that they were the only organization I could find that had a good track record for having alert dogs for my sleeping disorder. I have narcolepsy type 1, which is narcolepsy with cataplexy, and mobility. Um, there was a young woman who had received, she actually is the first individual through Canine Partners for Life with the same disability that I have to receive a, an alert, a medical alert service dog through Canine Partners for Life. I um, found her story online and was just absolutely shook. And I knew instantly that this was what I wanted. This is what I needed for myself to help with not only alerting me to my change in my sleeping disorder, but helping me with my independence along with my mobility issues. And so I contacted Canine Partners for Life and I said, I don't know what I have to do, but I would love to get in contact with this young woman just to see, I want to learn more from her experience and beyond just that little story that I've read. And so I gave them my contact information and they sent it to her and she literally called me the following day and we talked for hours hours and hours and days and days and later on in that year that summer 20 probably 2014 2013 i went actually down to georgia and met her and her service dog rolla who has since passed away but 
just seeing what he provided for her gave me such hope that oh my gosh my life could change so dramatically and by speaking with her and experiencing what Rolo did for her that pushed my decision when it came to this is what I want to do um, to help improve my life my family however they were kind of on the fence about okay if this is what you want to do then you're going to have to be the lead in the forefront for this um, it wasn't until after I received Denver and they firsthand witnessed what he could do for me and all the changes that came with having him and all the doors that opened after having him, then they were fully on board. But it was after I met with Danielle, it was two and a half years until I was finally matched with Denver. So it was a lot of self-advocating, understand, like getting that whole, like, this is your life is completely changing. Um, when, especially for someone who has an invisible disability like myself, you're going from being pretty much completely invisible to everyone else to walking around with one of the biggest glowing, something's wrong with this person signs that's around you. And so that brings a lot of attention. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yes. Um, and of course, when you're, when you go through the process of getting a service dog, like it's a pretty long process because the dogs have to go through, I imagine, a bunch of training in order to effectively help help you. So uh, what's the process of getting a service dog from Canine Partners for Life? Okay, yeah, definitely. So I'm going to split this question into two two different parts. So there's the process for me, the individual, the recipient, that will be, or I guess the applicant that's getting the service dog, and then there's the service dog side. So the service dog, so for Denver, he started at eight weeks and went on from eight weeks of eight years, eight weeks old to being trained, eight, nine weeks old to being trained, just like bare basics, like sit and stay and potty training and down and look at me and public access. Um, they don't really ramp up training for like a specific individual until that dog is matched. And so it could be two years until the dog is fully ready to be matched with a human. So, or be matched with their applicant. For me, on my side, it starts with going onto the Canine Partners for Life website, looking over their section about wanting to be partnered with a canine and seeing if first and foremost, is this something that will fit into, is having a service dog, will this fit into my lifestyle? Will this truly you be able to help me? And will I be able to live my life to the fullest having a service dog? Because the service dog is supposed to help heighten your life and not hinder. And so that's the first and foremost. And if you, if you tick all the boxes, then you start the application process. And so within the application down, and so within that application process, you're filling out information regarding your medical needs. Sorry, getting him going down. Um, oh. Your medical needs and introducing yourself because first and foremost, you're, they want to you know, get to know you. They want to get to know you. And also they, they have to accept you into their program. It's not always just a done deal. I want a service dog, give me a service dog. You, it's just like any program out there, you have to be accepted into the program and they have to see that they can meet the needs that you're needing. 
And so you fill in an application, um, they'll sit, have you, they'll set an appointment to do an interview and go from there. And if you're accepted into the program, great, awesome, it's ready to go. Then you go and do, um, I call it a face-to-face -face interview and they also call it a walkthrough where they'll learn more about you, about your disability, anything else you, you want to add on to, well, why do you want to serve a dog? How can we help you? How can we help tailor a dog to your individual needs and your lifestyle? And then they also have you walk with a dog, not a dog they're necessarily going to match you with, but they just want to see how your walking style is. Do you need a short dog because you're shorter? Do you need a tall dog because you have a longer stride? Do you need a dog that is able to keep up with your power chair or your manual or your, um, your, yeah, your manual chair? That's when the walkthrough comes in to play. And so I waited two and a half years for Denver. And then I waited three and a half years for JoJo. The wait list can vary once everything is said and done. They can also ask you to come and walk multiple times through the, your waiting period. Just because dogs come into the program, dogs leave the program, you may change also. During your wait period time, they will ask you to fill in an updated report here and there, asking for some of the same information. If anything has changed with your disability, if anything's changed with your living situation, like I have other animals at home too, and they need to know that. Are those animals able to, are they friendly around other dogs? Are they accepting to other animals? And if not, then what do you plan to do about that situation? Then it may not be safe for them to for you to bring in a service dog into that situation where there are dogs that may not like having other dogs around or cats or guinea pigs or whatnot. So they and, will place dogs with families that already have pets. Right? They will. They will place dogs. I have other dogs as well. Okay. Um, and, and it's just then letting them know that, yes, my dogs are able to accept the dog and we'll, we'll work it out. <clears throat> And so after your waiting process, because I know some people who've been on the wait list for six years, seven years, eight years, you just, it, it's just a process of, you know, this is something you want. And so you're, you're willing to wait for it. And once you get that call, I remember both dates when exactly when I was called, I received a call for Denver, July 21st at 11, 11.05 AM. And then I got a call about Jojo, um, oh my goodness gracious. I remember the time. I can't, I can't remember the date. Um, I thought I had it in my head. Was it I, in July? Was it in the same month? It, yeah, actually, no, it wasn't in the same month because, no, it was, oh, it was close to, uh, it was close to a holiday. That's what I remember it was close to a holiday, but the time was at noon exactly on the dot that I received the call. And when you receive the call, they tell you, this is it. You've been matched with a service dog and they'll tell you the name. And then they will let you know, um, we want you to keep it on the download because we're going through the list of everyone who's been matched for that class. And once we get everyone's information out there and acceptance letters have gone out, all this other stuff, then you can be open with your social media, your family, your friends, et cetera, about, oh my gosh, I've been accepted, this, that, and so on and so forth. And so once everything is said and done and you've signed the dotted line saying that you accept the match, 
then it's letting the world know that you've been accepted and you've been matched with said service dog. And what breeds do they use? Um, Canon Partners for Life uses a variety of breeds. They they have Labradors. They have what Jojo is. He's a Glad, which is a Lab Golden Cross. Um, they use standard poodles, and I've also seen doodles as well. And they also have been working with, I haven't seen any make it to full teams yet, but I have seen some rescue dogs that they've been utilizing as well. Can you explain Jojo's breed again? Yes, Jojo is a lab golden cross, which is a lab golden mix. So he's part lab, part um, golden retriever. Okay, when I, when I heard that, I was like, who, who is, what breeds are you <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I just say it that way because it rolls off the tongue so much faster. But he's a lab golden cross. Yeah, I could tell the lab part right, right away. And was Denver a full black lab? Yes, Denver um, is a English lab. That's where the big bulky head comes in, versus an American lab that has the longer head. Um, that's that's a besides you know Jojo has the light the lovely golden with um golden but he's a black lab uh, the golden curls Denver has that straight sleek black look and he's big and boxy and has that kind of puffed out chest and Jojo's kind of a long lanky little guy um, or actually I say little he he's a tall guy <laughs> he's a pretty big guy <laughs> he's a big guy I just like calling him little guy because he's He's still so young. He, he just turned two August 18th, so. So you've gotten into your disability a little bit, but with, I forgot what it was, but when you got Denver and JoJo, I know Denver helped you, helped you a lot because I saw you every day at Beacon, but what if they... What have both of them helped you with? Okay, so Denver is Denver was my medical alert service dog. He was trained to alert to my sleeping disorder for my narcolepsy, which my body can't tell wake and sleep cycles apart. And so Denver would let me know 35 to 40 minutes in advance before sleep, before I would start feeling tired in any way, shape, or form. And so he would let me know by giving me different alerts that, hey, mom, something's going on. Just want to make sure you're okay. Just want to make sure you know what, what's what's what. Um, and jo Denver and Jojo both helped me with helped me with my mobility. And so um, he had that fancy harness that he has. That that's what that harness is for. It's for mobility and being able to help me maintain balance. Jojo being so much bigger than Denver also helps me with a pull. He has a nice long stride. And so when I get really tired and exhausted, he picks up the pace and will pull me somewhere, sit down, lay down, get to the car, get to my bed, and we'll get there relatively quickly. And Jojo also helps me with medical alert as well. That was not his main task that I wanted this time around, um, but he has uh, started alerting. He started alerting the second week into team training towards the midweek. 
and has been alerting ever since. And so I also say that he is now my medical alert service dog as well, because he's just now been so consistently doing. So do you think he started picking up on uh, your your disrupted sleep cycles and knew I need like I need to alert her? Um, or did, quite... did canine partners for life kind of train him for that too? Um, he wasn't trained because um, you can't, it, it, it's it's complicated. You can't really train in an alert alert trait, but then some people say you can. Um, the more reliable alerts are in like already inherited in them that they, and it's just been honing that skill um, to and tailoring it to that individual's personal need. For me, since JoJo was not trained as and wasn't tested for medical alert, he is very enthusiastic, so to speak. So his alerts are very physical. Like he will put his whole body onto me or he'll tackle me and just be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Something's wrong. I don't know what's going on. Help, help. And so I now am trying to um, work it into him that, yes, this is what I want you to be doing, but I don't want you to jump on me. So we're working on, instead of doing such physical alerts, working on a nudge instead and or um, looking at me and doing like a, 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 like what Denver used to do, an unbreakable stare. And so excuse me it's it's a work in progress but he does alert it's just now tailoring it to i i don't want eighty-one thousand dogs jumping on me in the at, at a random point in time it's just it's a lot and so it, it's a work yeah, in progress I, I think i would get scared if <laughs> if any dog did that because you you probably don't expect it so it takes you by surprise it uh, it did, especially in the beginning, since I, you know, he wasn't, that wasn't his main function was alerting. And so then all of a sudden he was like, Ooh, and it took everyone by surprise and we were like, oh goodness. So it, it's a work in progress, but he, he's getting there. He's very receptive to the change. So what do you hope that people will learn from this conversation? I hope that people will learn that, yes, these dogs are incredible and so cute and fluffy and whatnot but they have a very serious job that they're doing that's something that i continuously push and educate individuals who ask every single day pretty much is that yes he is gorgeous yes he's beautiful and yes he's so cool and oh yes he must look like your dog from at home who died five years ago but he has a very serious job and it should be taken seriously just like any other dog working dog like a police dog bomb sniffing drug sniffing, search and rescue. Each individual treat those dogs with respect. Service dogs should be treated with the same level of respect as well. Yeah. And in our in the intro, I had mentioned there are a lot of rules about like the best way to interact with the service dog. Like not petting it, not talking to the handler instead of the dog directly um along with every other one that you could probably say but when people do that 
how does it affect the dog? So um, the patches on the dog say do not pet, do not distract for a reason. And I, I actually just told someone uh, from our flight the other day, because he said, oh, he's just so cute, but why does it matter if I pet and I touch him? He's, since he's a medical alert dog and they're, since they're working dogs, let's just put it in general, since they're working dogs, they have a job to do. And that's paying attention to their handling. So that's paying attention to me. Because if he were to miss an alert, I could hurt myself really badly. And or someone could go into a panic attack. Someone who suffers from PTSD could slip into an episode and not have that dog paying attention to give them that heads up or be able to put their attention towards that person to help them in whatever way they may be trained for. And so it's not that we don't want you to pet them and they're at, you know, they're, they're working. It's just a respect. Um, I don't ask to pet. And this is something I kind of say just as a joke. You know, we all learned in Sesame Street back in the day that we always ask before we pet same thing even with a dog like somebody's pet dog i always ask before i pet because i don't know what that dog is trained to do i don't know if that dog is comfortable insert here and so it's just a respect all the way um, i know also some people think oh my gosh that dog must have a horrible life because he's working all the time dogs don't see it that way they see it as i get to be with my best friend all day every day having fun and getting treats and snuggles and all this other fun stuff. Dogs don't view it as work. They view it as just being able to be with that person that they love the most and to help that person. And it's not like I don't let him play. He plays all the time, trust me. And I do let people interact with him on my terms though. Not when he's dressed, not when he's when we're out and about and around other people, but privately, if someone were to ask, I'll usually I'll usually say yes. But then my friends all know that if I if I call him and I need his attention back to me, then they leave him alone. And if they don't, then that's when I bring it up, like, hey, you know, he's a working dog, regardless of if he's dressed or undressed. If I call his attention, he needs to come back to me, and he needs to respect that. And even when he doesn't have his vest on, he still. No, let me think on how to phrase <laughs> phrases. I think I know what you're getting at, but go ahead. Brainstorm. So even even if they don't have a vest, they're still working and they still need to to pay attention when you need help. So yeah, yeah. just because the vest is off doesn't mean they turn themselves off. They take the hat off and they're like, all right, I don't have to work anymore. That's not how it works. The vest on just means that they are honed in on, I know I am working right now. But regardless of the vest being on or off, they are more relaxed with it off. So then they're like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm on break, whatever. But if I still need have an alert that he needs to do, he'll still turn around and be like, hey, are you okay? Just, and just letting you know. And then he'll go back to playing. Of course, there have been a lot of videos or news stories about fake service dogs. Yeah. How can you tell the difference between a trained one and a, a fake one? That's a great question because that's the problem is that just because a service dog may not be, ha- like, you have to remember first and foremost, 
their dogs first, service dogs second. And so some days they're not, they're having an off day. Like let's say Jojo and I are out and about and he's working and he starts jumping around and wants to play. Just because he's jumping around and wants to play in that moment doesn't mean he's a fake service dog. Um, or because they're dogs, things happen. They're, they aren't robots <laughs> and that's a good thing. Um, they, they aren't perfect all the time. But if with my trained eye, um, what I look for, even if it is a fully trained service dog, if I see the following traits, I usually will give them a wide berth just because it's like, hey, your dog's exhibiting things that I don't necessarily find legit, so I'm just going to give you space and let you go on your way. It's not my place to judge, but it is my place to keep myself and my service dog safe. So if I were to see a dog that is continuously pulling off a lead, trying to pull away from the person, jutting around everywhere, and just being really disruptive, I usually will give them a wide berth. Um, a dog that is constantly barking, showing um, signs of aggression, a really puffed up back, growling, snarl teeth, lunging towards us, I will give that, I will walk the other way. My day is done, no thank you, I'm gonna go the opposite direction. I'm not gonna confront those individuals. Um, but that, that is like personalized to each and every individual handler. I'm not gonna say that that's how, like that's the bare basics for every handler. That's just the bare basics for me and what I keep on, the keep in the back of my mind when I'm around other dogs and subjecting my service dog to other dogs is what behaviors am I looking for that I don't want him to potentially get into a scenario where he is attacked or made to feel afraid. Um, I'm also just on high alert just because Denver and I, during our first year as a partner, um, Denver was attacked by a um, service dog and um, that almost ruined our partnership. And that's something, another thing I want people to realize is that I know it's hard to take, not to leave your pets at home. I have two schnauzers that aren't my service dogs and they're my girls. I love them. I wish I could carry them in purses everywhere. They are my girls, but they are not trained to do public access. This is not, I, I, I'm not taking them everywhere because it takes one instance of a dog going after another dog, dog biting another dog and injuring another dog or killing another dog to ruin a partnership entirely. I'm just so thankful for when Denver was attacked, he was looking the opposite, he was looking the opposite way when the dog attacked him. And oh, I think he didn't even was, see yeah. the dog at all. He didn't even see the dog coming. And so that was, I think what saved the partnership is that he didn't see the dog. Um, he felt the bite and jumped. I kicked the dog and he tore off to the back of the wall. Denver did, not the other dog. Someone came and grabbed the other dog. But Dem I let Denver loose. That's just part of my protocol is I want the dogs to get away. Um, and we were in the building. So he just kind of tore to the back and found, thankfully there was a, just odd, oddly enough, a canine officer was in that Walgreens and he scooped him up and said, whose dog is this? And I said, me, and he's been hurt. Please help us. And he took us to an emergency bed. Aww. And I'm so glad Denver was, was okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it's things like that when people think, you know, my dog is really good and what are the likelihoods you're going to run into a service dog? I, I would never take the chance. You never know. We are just because I'm disabled doesn't mean that I'm shut in all day and I don't do anything with my life. 
I have my service dogs that allow me to be able to do things safely. And so I take that and I run with it and I do all sorts of things. You see, you, you know, you follow me on my social media handles. I, I'm here, there, everywhere. <laughs> and so you just, you never know. And I just would rather be safe than sorry. So a few questions ago, you had said how you talked to a guy on your flight about his, the the petting patch. Uh, if someone actually does pet the dog with, or pet Jojo without addressing you or asking you questions, what would you say to them? Um, I have kind of a Rolodex of things, varying from being very nice to being kind of nice to being eh, not not the nicest, depending on how many times the person has done this. Um, I give little children a free pass. That's personally, this is just me. I can't speak for other handlers, but little children, infants, toddlers, babies, they don't know any better. And so I, I just kind of give them a pass that it's like, if they come and kind of give a grabby grab, it, it's whatever for me, it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, um, what I, I usually just first and foremost, please don't pet him. He's working. Uh, to ma'am, sir, please do not pet him. He's working. Leave us alone. To the extreme of, oh my goodness, illiteracy must be a real big thing because you can't read the patch on his back. And so, you know, once again, varying from being very nice to being mediocre to being uh, not so nice. Because um, sometimes I've had people who are sitting next to me and I tell them once, they do it again a few minutes later, and then they try again. And it's like, I, I already, I ask you politely, please stop. To the point of sometimes I've had to get up and move because people just won't. Um, and it's just, once again, please respect my boundaries. Please respect my space. He is within my bubble of personal space. And so just leave us alone and use your eyes to observe. He is gorgeous. I'm not going to lie. He is absolutely gorgeous and pretty. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. He, he is beautiful. Yeah, he I'm... is absolutely gorgeous, but it's more on the lines of he has a very important job that he's doing and we should respect that he needs to be pay attention to that job. And there's also many type of alert dogs and alert dogs are, I think, the ones you can't, uh, of course you shouldn't pet any type of service dog. But do not pet a alert one. There's seizure alert, seizure response, all, all other type of alerts. If you're petting, like, if I'm petting Jojo and Kagi has an issue, then I might be distracting the dog when she really needs his help. Of course, I know Kagi, and I'm talking about that as if I was a stranger. But just don't pet dogs, uh, service dogs at all. Please, yeah. if you have questions, talk to the handlers and then you can ask them. But don't just think, oh, he's a service dog, but I'm going to go pet him anyway. Yeah. A person won't care. Because people think that, what, like I said earlier, oh, first and foremost, they're a dog. And oh, I, you know, he's such a good boy. No, he is a good boy, but leave him alone. My main talk, problem is I don't have a lot of people. Talk yeah. to me, not the talk to me. Yes. Um, my main problem with both Jojo and Denver is that not many people like will try and pet him, 
it's more along the lines of people distracting him by talking. That is my biggest problem. And so I have, once again, a Rolodex of just random things I say, like, you know, hey, if you wouldn't mind not distracting him, please. But if you tell me what's going on, I will relay the message to him immediately. I'm his secretary. Um, to please don't talk to him. He's working. To, you know, hey, he's a dog. He's not going to understand what you're saying. So it just, you know, like one thing, but just, just leave them alone. The first, like the main, the the moral of the story is oh. just, leave them alone. <laughs> just, leave, just leave them alone. Watch with your eyes, not with your hands or your mouth or your phone. Just, just leave the individual alone and or go and ask the hand. Like you never know. I'm always open to questions. I know not every handler is. That's like a comfortability level that has to be varied from person to person. But just going over and asking, hey, do you mind if I ask you a question and, you know, take that for either a yes or a no. If I say no, then, you know, I, I'm busy. Like I've run into a store to get milk and then like 45 minutes later, I'm being like, my ears getting talked off and I'm like, I just came in to get milk. <laughs> but also I like to take it as it's a moment to educate and that individual can then take that information and go on to someone else, to go on to someone else. And that may help a, a team a lot further down the line if this person is exposed to service dogs ever again. Because you have to remember, not everyone sees service dogs. When we go to Disney or other parks or when we travel across the country, it's sometimes people have never seen a dog that acts as well as these dogs do. And that takes people aback. And I've had to interact with people who are deathly afraid of dogs. I will be like, oh, I'm so sorry. But he he is trained. This is the, this is the one type of dog you should not be afraid of. He won't hurt you. He won't do anything. I may bite, but he won't hurt. Did you really say that? Yeah, I've said that before. Like, I may bite, but he, he won't bite. It's just to, like, lessen the tension. Sometimes oh, it works. Sometimes oh. it's just like... <laughs> so it's to make them laugh. Yeah. It's just to make light of the situation. Because, that, you know, like, being afraid of dogs, that's a legitimate fear to have. Oh, yeah. I really want my listeners to learn as much about service dogs as as uh they can and i'm actually gonna change one of the questions because you um you answered that question in a few of them but let's say you and jojo go into a business or or a restaurant or a store and they say no like you cannot go go through like deny you access to the to the restaurant can you kind of go through that and what could as a service dog handler if they don't let you go through like what what kind of you could say consequences would there be because you can report that yes first and foremost education, education, education. I rather come in as a calm, cool, and collect individual that is wanting to help and to educate versus jumping off the bandwagon and being hot-headed and making it into a, a situation, bringing, bringing in all sorts of negative attention, et cetera. I rather try and educate first and foremost. If I can't get through education-wise, then it kind of, you know, I do get a little sassy. But first and foremost, like, let's say I walk into a restaurant and the hostess says, oh, we don't allow dogs in here. I usually would say, 
Oh, goodness. I'm so glad you don't allow dogs in here. I'm glad I have my service dog, though, who is allowed in here. <laughs> and and then they'll usually say, well, no, we, we can't have pets in here. And, and it's like, he's not, he, he's not my pet. He is my service dog. He is task trained along with also ha he has public access. And I um, have actually my, I have um, the ADA, which if anyone wants to look this up, you can actually find the ADA um, law book. On, it's an app on, uh, in the app, in the Apple app store. I'm not sure about um, all the other phone services, but I do know that Apple has, has an app. And I have that that has the rules and regulations and laws. And I'll usually bring that up and be like, hey, so just to let you know, I can bring my service dog into this establishment. Here is where it says in the law where my legal rights are. And if they still say no, um, I would go to the and ask to speak to the manager and asking to speak to the manager. Blah, blah, like I've never had any problems beyond speaking to a manager and they being like, oh, no, no, you can come in here. No worries. And then they'll like educate their staff member on the do's and don'ts and all this other stuff. But sometimes you have to remember people bring their pets into restaurants and say, oh, yeah, no, he's my service dog. And then the dog acts terrible. And that makes that looks bad on the restaurant that there are bad dogs in there. And so then they do what they think is right. And they just say no dogs allowed in here. So they don't have to run into scenarios like that again. But also when I educate them, I also educate them on the ways that like, if my dog is doing these things under the law, then yes, you can ask me to leave, which um, there's like literally specific things that if the dog is doing that, disrupting the flow of the establishment, um, urinating, barking, causing a ruckus out of control, as in I am unable to control the dog, then yes, by law, they can ask you to leave the establishment, which if my dogs were doing any of those things, I'd be yanking him by the ear out of there anyway. <laughs> my dogs do not act a fool out in public. And so, but yes, they You also, wouldn't tolerate that with any of your absolutely dogs. Absolutely not, no. I would think some, I would know something is wrong if my dogs were doing any of those things because that is so way out of their character. Um, but some of these places have no idea that they also do have legal rights as well for their establishment. But just because he's a dog is not one of them. I've done, like I said, I've done a lot of research. And there are two, I believe, two questions that an establishment is legally allowed to ask you. Can you go into those? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I don't ever get asked them, so it's, <laughs> it's not no. always. So... Oh. I can uh, tell you them if you want to. I just want. remembered. One of them is, is the dog a service animal required by a disability? And the other one is, like, what work or task has the dog been trained to perform? So besides those two questions, they can't, they can't ask, like, oh, we need to see proof that it's a service dog. We need to... You're going to have to tell us something besides, yeah, right on the those, besides those two questions. Exactly. Uh, do not, and this is uh, one of my favorite questions to ask all of my guests. What would you say to your younger self? 
I would say to my younger self, because I know she would not in her wildest dreams think that the life that she would be about to lead, it would be an absolute amazing ride. So I would tell her it gets better from here. Hold on tight. This ride is going to get crazy. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I think all of our lives get crazy at some point. Well, Kagi, thank you again for coming on the podcast. I hope all of the listeners do get more of an understanding about service dogs. And if anyone is in need of one, I take a look at Canine Partners for Life. And I hope you have a great rest of your day, Kagi. Thank you. And I also, I'll show you Jojo here so you can see him. Oh, Jojo. <laughs> he is so cute. I love his ears. He is the best. I absolutely love him. He has been such a great addition to my life. I don't know where I would be without him. And sorry, I just thought of one more question. After Denver retired, where is where do retired service dogs go? Um, for Denver, he retired. I um, wanted to keep him in the family, but because I live in Florida in a storm, I can't have multiple dogs in the dorm. So he actually was adopted by my older sister and lives back home in Indiana eating bonbons, watching Golden Girls, and sitting on the couch, having fun, doing whatever he wants to do. Um, some service dogs, though, um, may be returned to the organization, and then they will adopt them out to do the same thing, have cheeseburgers, kick their feet up, and do whatever they want to do. But once they're done working, they usually just become pets and have a great rest of their life doing whatever they would like to do. Well, guys, thank you again for listening to the episode, and I will talk to you later. Bye, guys.